We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. We are less than a week away from the NBA draft. Of course, this time of year, trade rumors, they are flying. We've got free agency buzz to talk about. In addition to just what the Lakers might do with their draft picks on draft night coming up June 22nd. Joining me today is Jovan Buha of The Athletic. Jovan, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. So as we started recording this, you had a piece drop for The Athletic about Chris Paul and the Lakers potentially being connected with with him. Uh, why don't we just start there? What's the What's the latest on that situation? I know that's a player that a lot of fans have been talking about. Yeah, well, the, the latest I've heard... Uh, from the, the the people I've spoken to around the team uh, is that the Lakers would have a strong interest uh, in signing Chris Paul if he were uh, available. Uh, of course, he'd have to be waived or stretched uh, by the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that, that would likely happen later in the month if it does happen at all. Uh, but if he is available, the Lakers would have a strong interest in bringing him in. And I think that one of the more interesting things with this would be what type of contract it would be. Uh, I think the the thing that would make the most sense uh, from the Lakers side would be a vet minimum contract, uh, which would allow them to, uh, you know, keep their cap holds on, on certain guys, uh, keep their either taxpayer or non-taxpayer uh, mid-level exception uh, to use on a different player. Uh, because uh, the, the way that it works is he has 15.8 million guaranteed uh, with, with the Suns, And if he were waived or stretched, uh, that the Suns would still owe him that money, but any contract he would sign, uh, that would offset uh, part of that money. Uh, but essentially, unless the Lakers are going to use cap space on him, which which they wouldn't, uh, you know, Paul signing a vet minimum contract wouldn't be adding uh, money to that 15.8. It would only be subtracting it. So him signing anything more than a vet minimum contract would really just be hindering the team that he's signing with uh, as far as taking away their potential you know, cap space or, or exception. So for him, it doesn't really make sense to do the Suns a favor and to uh, you know sign a bigger contract that, that would just let them off the hook financially. So I think him, you know, be it in LA with the Lakers or with another team elsewhere, uh, you know, signing a vet minimum contract probably makes the most sense, even though perception wise, obviously for him, uh, you know, he, he's more than a minimum guy, but uh, so I think, you know, that would be the most likely outcome if he does join the Lakers is, is him signing a, a vet minimum contract. And then that gives them some flexibility where uh, you, you could you know keep D'Lo. And, and now you really have a, a strong point guard spot uh, there with, with D'Lo and, and Chris Paul. Or 
Uh, you could go, you know, keep Dennis and, and have him be the backup and, and maybe save some money uh, and, you know, not retain D'Lo or, you know, still pursue a, another option. I, I think it, it kind of gives them a, a nice optionality where, you know, getting that one point guard in at, at that low of a cost, uh, I think really opens up different avenues for the Lakers to improve the roster. So to me, it's it's a no brainer if, if he is available. Uh, he wouldn't make a lot of sense. And, and, you know, the Lakers view it that way. So uh, really, it just comes down to, you know, what do the Suns want? What does Chris Paul want? And how does this all play out in the next few weeks? Well, and one of the things that we've been been noting on this show is that if you see the news that the Suns have waived Chris Paul and stretched him, that then means that the Suns are out. They can't re-sign him. But there is the potential for him to go back to Phoenix if they just mm-hmm. waive him. They could sign him to a new deal. So it's just something to keep an eye on when that news does break, if it does, uh, June 28th is the date that the Suns have to decide on Chris Paul by whether or not they're going to waive him and, and eat that, that money that's on his salary, that 15 plus million dollars. But you mentioned D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this what his future looks like is obviously going to be a key factor here in all of this, whether you bring back D'Angelo Russell, whether you bring back Dennis Schroeder, is it you go and get Chris Paul? What's the thinking right now on the D'Angelo Russell front? Because there are a lot of people who are not thrilled with what he did in the Western Conference <laughs> Finals, and rightfully so. But he was really darn good for the Lakers before that. So where do the Lakers stand right now on the, the D'Lo situation, in your opinion? Uh, well, the, the most likely scenario right now is is retaining D'Lo uh, and, and re-signing him. Um, you know, th- there really just aren't many appealing alternatives. If you look at the, the free agent market, uh, my colleague at the Athletic, John Hollinger, just did his free agency point guard rankings, and D'Angelo was third on that list behind Kyrie Irving and Fred Van Vliet. And if the Lakers could get one of those two guys, uh, yeah, that, that's a clear upgrade. But you know, barring that, um, I just don't really see the the guy out there in free agency that uh, is a, a clear upgrade over a, a D'Angelo Russell, e- even Dennis, you know, Schroeder was sixth on that list. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of looking at the, just the, the free agent class, like unless the Lakers can get uh, a Gabe Vincent type uh, who, who isn't that traditional floor general, but obviously a really good three point shooter, uh, you know, had some big performances for Miami throughout their finals run, uh, you know, pretty good defender, uh, like barring that type of guy, I, I don't really see, another alternative, at least in free agency. Of course, they, they can make trades. You know, um, I reported a few weeks ago, uh, Trey Young is a name I've heard thrown out there. I don't think that's really realistic, but uh, it is a name that they've talked about internally. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Dame Lillard if he becomes available. But th- th- those, are, I think, are more pie-in-the-sky options. And, and really just looking at the free agent market, I don't see a guy that that you know is a, a obvious step up from D'Lo. So um, from what I've been told, that the Lakers are, are planning on resigning him. Now, I think the contract length is going to be a thing where yeah. uh, I think the Lakers would prefer to, to sign him to a two-year deal, uh, keep him on the same timeline as LeBron and AD, keep their books clean for the summer of 2025. And um, you know, so, so maybe there's a way to, to front load uh, an offer where it's like two years, 60 million, uh, get him in at you know 30 million a year or so. And keep keep D'Lo happy where he's getting the type of contract he feels he deserves from an annual basis, but also keeping the Lakers flexibility moving forward. So I think as of now, that's the most likely outcome. There isn't really much of a sign and trade market for him. Uh, so I, I don't really see that being a, a potential option right now. Uh, and again, there, there's always a chance that they could flip him for a Kyrie, for a Fred Van Vliet in a sign and trade uh, that way. But I think the Lakers would have to most likely include draft compensation. And that would also require that team to, to want to take D'Lo, 
which is kind of unclear at this point. So I think the most likely thing is the Lakers bring him back and, and either potentially flip him later in the season or just ride it out. And, you know, it's a, it's a one or two year thing. So you're looking at this as though the Lakers, their preference would be rather than give him a four-year deal, give him a richer deal for a shorter term in order to keep that future flexibility. And I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, from, from what I've been told, the, the preference, and the, we've seen the Lakers operate this way over the last several years where it's it's a lot of one and two-year deals. And, and you know the downside could sometimes be losing a guy that you want to keep or uh, you know, just more roster turnover, less continuity. But the upside is you do have that flexibility, and with LeBron James, uh, you know, not yet 100% back for, for next season. Uh, although all indications are he is going to be back, uh, you, you just want to have that flexibility where you're not tied to, uh, you know, because uh, you know, if they resign Austin to a four-year deal, now all of a sudden, you, you know, just with Austin and D'Lo, you're potentially looking at 60 to 70 million uh, off your books, and and that's mm-hmm. without factoring in AD, without factoring in. You know, do you try and get another star if, if LeBron retires or leaves? Like, I, I think there's just a lot of ways things can play out. And, and for them, it's about having that flexibility and not tying up their cap space to deal, especially with some of the concerns with, with how he performed in the playoffs. And, um, you know, I, I think people point to the, the first couple of rounds, but that last round is, is more important in, in some ways, right? Like the, for the Lakers to, to win a title, they need him in the conference finals. They need him in the finals if he's going to be on this team. So I think for them, you know, they're weighing all their options. But from what I've been told, a shorter term deal probably appeases both sides where he, he kind of maintains the I'm a 25, 30 million dollar player a year. And then the Lakers get that flexibility down the road. See, I know I want to make sure we clarify there because I know the comment section would be going crazy, going 30 million per year for D'Angelo Russell. That's that's crazy money. It's the years. It's the years that are really going to matter here for the Lakers in terms of preserving that future flexibility. Of course, the money on this year's uh, this year's books will matter as well in terms of there'll be a domino effect. Are you if you give D'Lo that much, are you still going to be able to keep Lonnie Walker? Are you going to be able to use a full mid-level exception? There's going to be some consequences uh, in terms of building out your roster this year. But the Lakers are really you know dead set on preserving future flexibility. That may be the preferred option. Give them a little bit more now for a shorter term deal um if they do wind up keeping deal is it if you go get chris paul you get d'angelo russell is that just that's it for dennis Schroeder? i know he's a favorite of darvin ham i thought he outperformed his contract significantly on a minimum deal this year but is there a path where he comes back even though d'lo and, and chris paul could be on this team or is that or would that just shut the door on a on a dennis Schroeder return I've heard that floated uh, in the various conversations I've had. I, I do think if they if they you know if they retain D'Lo and they sign Chris Paul, I think at that point keeping Dennis isn't a priority. Yeah, and that's where like right now I think Dennis's market is probably going to be about the taxpayer mid level exception around that you know five six six and a half million dollar mark, and you know for the Lakers to retain him they would have to use their exception on him because the most they can offer with their non-bird rights is about 3.8 million. So the, the Lakers would basically in that, in that scenario have to decide, is Dennis worth using our loan exception on to basically be our third point guard? And, and you know, Dennis can play at the two, D'Lo can play at the two. We, we've seen the Lakers, you know, Darvin loves his uh, two and, and three point three. guard lineups. We, we've seen it before. Uh, and you know, as I wrote in the story for The Athletic, uh, Dennis and Chris actually played really well together in, in Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but they're about 
plus 15 points per 100 possessions better uh, with, with those two on the floor uh, in the regular season th- than their opponents and, and about plus five in, in that postseason series against Houston in the first round. So, like, w- w- you know, it was three years ago. So, uh, you know, both guys have, have I, I think, aged a little bit and, and aren't necessarily as athletic and, and explosive as they were at that time. But I think there are ways to, to see, you know, that kind of trio of Chris, D'Lo, and, and Dennis working together particularly against second units and, uh, you know, maybe playing a little bit more up-tempo brand of basketball. But I think for the Lakers at that point, it really is, we're going to use our exception on a wing or a big, you know, plug one of our other holes. And then if Dennis wants to come back for that 3.8, we'd love to have him, but it's not necessarily a necessity. Uh, whereas if, if D'Lo walks or they don't land a Chris, then I think you, you start to look more heavily at, can we keep Dennis for this exception What's the real market for him? Because I think if someone comes in with 10, 12 million, they technically could match that if, if they were mm-hmm. willing to use their non-taxpayer mid-level exception, but I don't think they're going to go that high for him. Uh, so I, I really think it's a matter of w- what are their priorities? Where is he in the pecking order in terms of point guards? And um, you know, just how, how's that all playing out? Because I, I think if they have Chris and, and D'Lo, it's not a mutually exclusive thing where, where Dennis is automatically gone. But I think at that point, he becomes less of a priority, and they're most likely not going to use that taxpayer MLE on him. Right, right. I think that would be, that makes a lot of sense, especially if they're kind of up against it too with D'Angelo Russell's salary coming in in terms of whether or not they're even going to have that full uh, non-taxpayer MLE to use. But you mentioned the Lakers' priorities. What what do you see as their priorities this summer? I know people have Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura at the, the top of the list. There's probably some other things that they're looking to do, though, what are you looking at from your perspective that you think the Lakers need to accomplish this summer if they're going to get to where they want to go next season? So part of the story I wrote today is centered on the point guard spot and how there's just been this revolving door at point guard since the championship run, really including the championship run if you want to include that season. But I think priority number one is clearly Austin Reeves. The Lakers want to keep him. He just you know got added to the Team USA roster, uh, which is a big honor, you know, only 12 guys on the team and, and say what, whatever you want about maybe who's on the team. And, and there's not as many stars as, as normal years, but like, that's still a crazy honor. And, and just a testament to Austin's development and, and to, to do that as a second year undrafted guys is, is just kind of mind boggling, but, you know, so keeping Austin matching, whatever contract offer he gets, um, you know, ideally for the Lakers that they're, they're, uh, offering him that four years, 54 million, at 12.01, he signs that. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think he's going to entertain offers, see what else is out there. Uh, just you know, financially, that, that makes the most sense uh, and potentially sign a contract offer sheet and then uh, it's on the Lakers to match that. But assuming they do that and assuming they, they retain Rui as well, somewhere in that 15 to $18 million range annually, uh, I think that the next biggest thing is what do you do at point guard? You know, Do you keep D'Angelo Russell? Do you try to clear out cap space to sign a Kyrie, to sign a Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I think it's a little tricky. Both those guys' maxes start at above the, the cap space the Lakers can uh, create. For, for Kyrie, it starts at about $47 million. For uh, Fred Van Vliet, it's closer to $40 million. So I, I just I don't see that being realistic from, from a cap space perspective. I, I think for either one of those guys, you'd have to do a sign-and-trade. Uh, or is a Trey Young available? Is a, is a Damian Lillard? And you throw a mass, you know massive trade offer at them, even though... Still, realistically, I, I think other teams could, you know, field 
more competitive offers than the Lakers. So I really think that the point guard spot is the pivot spot. Um, you know, I, I think one of the exceptions could be spent on a center or a wing, and, and that player becomes very you know important and, and valuable. But really, to me, like the, the way we're going to view the the 2023-24 Lakers team probably starts at the point guard spot. Like once Rui and, and Austin are are secured and um, cemented as as you know young cornerstones of this group. I think that point guard spot of, you know, do they run it back with D'Lo? Do they pursue a more expensive option? Or do they kind of split the difference with, with a guy like Chris Paul who could be had for a one-year vet minimum potentially? Like, right. I think that's the most interesting thing. Beyond that, I think they, they got to get a, a better backup center. I think that was a bit of a concern uh, during the playoff run where, you know, Mo Bamba was in and out of the lineup uh, and, you know, wasn't really, uh, wasn't available. But, but also I, I think... Um, there's some revisionist history on that where it wasn't like Mo was playing all these minutes when he was available. You know, he, he was out of the rotation most of the time he was in LA. Uh, you know, Wenyan Gabriel obviously has some limitations as a smaller backup. So I think the Lakers need to figure out that position and uh, it doesn't have to be a guy who needs to play 20, 25 minutes a night, but at least a guy you're comfortable throwing out there 8, 10, 12 minutes in a playoff setting. Uh, and then I think another wing uh, and, and kind of upgrading that Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown, backup spot. If there's someone you could find who could be the eighth or ninth guy in the rotation uh, and, and, you know, reliable three-point shooter, someone with some size, someone with some defensive versatility, uh, you know, th- those guys don't grow on trees. They're hard to find. But if, if you can find someone like that for relatively cheap, potentially with that taxpayer MLE, I think that will plug a big hole in the rotation. So I really think it's just tweaking stuff around the margins. Uh, but But to me, the point guard spot is the pivot point of, Again, you know, are you clearing a bunch of your depth and continuity to, to try and sign a guy? Are you throwing a lot of those guys in a trade to, to trade for someone? Or are, are you just kind of doing a more straightforward path of, again, re-signing D'Lo or, or signing Chris and just kind of trying to maintain as much depth as possible? Now, I mean, we know the Lakers. I mean, when there's a star to be had, they're definitely willing to pursue that star. But is it is it fair to say that this is not going to be the summer of Oh my gosh, the Lakers just traded for Russell Westbrook. Like this this big out of the blue superstar trade. That's probably not in the cards this summer. At least that's my read of of the situation. Are you in agreement with that? You think the Lakers are just kind of kind of kind of focus on moves along the margins? I think that might actually be a sigh of relief from Lakers fans if the answer is yes. Uh yeah, I I think so. I, I think the the one exception is like Dame, I think is someone that would sure. make a lot of sense. And if a top 12, top 15 guy is available, uh, I think you have to do your due diligence and and figure out, you know, is there a way to get him? Uh, I would say Trey, Trey is maybe less, you know, he's obviously not at Dame's level. Uh, and, you know, so maybe that's less of a, a, you know, strong conversation internally. But I think Trey is another guy that if, because I think, it's 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 complicated because I think the Westbrook experience went so poorly that it has soured a lot of fans' mm-hmm. uh, opinions on on a potential big three. But I also think if we were ranking potential you know, star guards and their fits around LeBron and AD, Russ would have to be at the bottom of that list. Uh, if maybe Ben Simmons be, before you know last year would, would have maybe been a little bit of a worse fit, although he is six eight six nine, really good defender. Um, and obviously a lot of stuff with him off the court and, and just kind of his future. But like, I think a guy like Trey or a guy like Dame, 
they're, they're just so much better as just catch and shoot and off the dribble guys uh, in comparison with Russ that I think just the fit would, would be much cleaner. Uh, now, Trey has always been, you know, ball uh, dominant and um, hasn't really showed he could play off the ball yet. So I think that would be one concern w- with that. And, and both guys are defensive liabilities. And, and that's another concern that I think w- would come with any blockbuster deal. But uh, I think those are like the two exceptions right now of like, that's maybe the, the one path the Lakers could go is, is going getting one of those guys. But again, I think it's unrealistic just because I, I don't think the Lakers have a lot to offer. They'd probably have to throw in an Austin Reeves in, in either deal. And, and I don't think they really want to do that. So I'm going to say most likely not. I think it's going to be more of a straightforward offseason of, again, you know, D'Lo or, or Chris Paul or, um, you know, maybe they promote Dennis to starting point guard and, and mm-hmm. save some money that way. But like, I think it's it's most likely going to be a lot of continuity, a lot of retaining the same guys and just, again, upgrading uh, along, you know, the eighth spot of the rotation, 10th spot of the rotation, et cetera. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What are your thoughts on the on the LeBron front? I mean, he gave those somewhat cryptic comments after the final game of the, of the season, uh, suggesting that he might retire. Everything we've heard since then has been, no, he's not really retiring. Everybody seems to believe that's not going to happen, but there hasn't really been anything official. Now, maybe we hear more and we do get the post, uh, post-draft post presser coming up next week. But what's your thought on that situation? Is it strange that we haven't really heard any kind of concrete update there? Yeah, uh, I think it's a, it's a little strange, but... Uh, everyone I've spoken to is, is operating under the assumption that LeBron's going to be back. Um, you know, I, I think he, he needed a bit of a break, some time away, uh, just collect himself, collect his thoughts, uh, re-energize. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a, I don't have a concrete idea of, of when there will be a formal announcement either way, but, uh, you know, I could see this dragging out into July potentially. And, um, you know, at that point, I, I feel like it, it almost becomes a detriment to the Lakers if he hasn't publicly made a decision and, and they have a, a, you know, a course of action for, for either path. But, uh, everyone I've talked to is uh, assuming he's going to be back operating that way. And, um, you know, I think that the Lakers are, cause obviously, I mean, if, if he's out like that, that completely changes the off season and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, it, it's a completely different team and you, you have to view things a, a different way. They would most likely have cap space in that scenario, wiping 47 million off, off the books. Uh, so it, that that's a, obviously an off-season game changer, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I do think he's going to return at some point here within the next few weeks, be it you know a month or two. But uh, I yeah, so I, I 
don't have like a, a concrete upgrade uh, update on that, but I do think that from everyone I've, I've talked to, no, no one has any real doubt that he's not going to be back. I, I think it's just, um, you know, he chose to say that and, and put that out there for whatever reason. I'm, I'm sure at some point he will uh, illuminate us on, you know, go into greater detail why he did that. But uh, everyone with the Lakers is, is just assuming he's going to be back, uh, you know, fr from what I've been told. Same. I, I've been hearing the same thing, but, you know, just interesting that we haven't heard anything official. Um, what about Anthony Davis, though? I mean, look, we could see potentially a contract extension this summer. What's your What are your thoughts on the Lakers' potential appetite for doing something like that, extending AD? You know, he can opt out next summer in 2024, same as LeBron. Would they have interest in pushing that contract out farther? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, of, of course, with, with AD, he, he's become so polarizing for you know various reasons that. Uh, I think you can make an argument for and against it, but to me, it, it makes a lot of sense to extend him. I think that, you know, whether he's your number one option or your number two option, you're in great shape and, uh, just, you know, he, he's flexible and, and versatile enough to play with basically any type of star. Like if you want a star wing, uh, I think that would work next to AD. You want a star guard that would obviously work next to AD. So uh, I think for the Lakers securing him, you know, he's only 30 years old. Uh, and yes, you know, the injury history is a bit concerning and, uh, maybe some of the offensive inconsistencies, but uh, I still think he, he's in that top 10 conversation, uh, to me for, for my money was the best defender, uh, in the 2023 playoffs, uh, by a clear margin really. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I think that guy is worth the max worth investing in. And uh, again, I, I think kind of gives you a pillar to, move forward with where, you know, for that next iteration of, you know, next Lakers era, uh, AD Austin Reeves, uh, you know, most likely Rui Hachimura. And, uh, then you can reload with the next star that, uh, you know, was upset with, with their current situation and, and, uh, you know, be it free agency or trade. So I think for the Lakers, they're in a good spot, but I would, I would lean more toward the, you know, retaining AD and, and offering him a contract extension in August. Um, I know there's been some kind of mixed messaging on, on the reporting with that. Uh, yeah. so, so we'll see. I, I don't I don't have a great update for you on that. But um, I, to me, I think it makes more sense to retain him. And, you know, worst case, you have a top 75 player on a long-term extension. And, you know, if you need to flip it down the road, I'm, I'm sure you could figure that out. But I think it, to, to me, AD is a guy the Lakers should definitely invest in and keep. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Say, my thought process is exactly the same. Worst case, even if LeBron, say, opts out in 2024 and says, see you later, I'm going to walk away. And Anthony Davis says, I'm I'm gone too. At least if you have him under contract, you're going to get some type of asset in return. Assets, most likely, in order to jumpstart whatever your rebuild or your next iteration would look like. And that's your, you know, your worst case scenario best case ad is the pillar or the foundation upon which you build the next generation of the lakers so i think it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and do some type of contract extension this summer it'll be interesting to see if the lakers are able to, to pull that off come august um we do have the draft coming up in, in less than a week the lakers have the 17th pick people are getting excited about the players that could potentially be there but this lakers organization also has a history of moving their draft picks um even on draft night we've seen that happen numerous times what is your sense of what you think the Lakers will do with, let's just focus on the 17th pick for now? Well, I, I think there's a growing likelihood that they are going to trade that pick. Um, you know, I had heard a couple of weeks ago and, and reported that they, they weren't, but 
conversation since then have, have kind of changed my my stance on that. I, I think there's really a couple of options they could take. One is trading back and staying in the first round, but getting another rotation player. Uh, you know, so uh, look at a team in in the twenties. Uh, you know, trade them the seventeenth pick, get a rotation guy back as well as that pick, and you're you're now you know trading back, saving a little bit of money just by. Uh, just in terms of the, the rookie salary, obviously you're taking on money, uh, but but from that perspective, saving money with your rookie, but then also adding ideally a rotation guy who could uh, potentially start or be in that top seven eight, uh, d- depending on who it is. Uh, so I, I think that's that's one path. Another path is uh, you know, taking that 17th pick, uh, guaranteeing Mo Bamba's contract, and um, uh, you know exercising the the team option on Malik Beasley. Combining that, that's about $26 million, actually a little closer to $27 million. Yeah. And you have some flexibility there with, with the salary, you know, you could bring in. Uh, and, uh, you know, those two guys most likely aren't a, a big part of their future anyway. So I, I think that's, those are kind of the, the two things they're, they're looking at. Uh, you could also, of course, do Mo or Malik by themselves. And, you know, that that's a little bit less money and you don't have the same flexibility uh, contract wise, but those are the, the two things that are you know out there right now. Uh, of course, at, you know any trade takes at least another team to tango. So we'll see you know what what's really viable. But um, you know whether it's trading the pick entirely and, and just upgrading the starting lineup or the, the top six or seven, or just moving back and, and retaining a, another asset from a team. Uh, I think those are probably the, the two most likely things right now. But uh, again, you know, from what I've been told, they're excited about what's at number 17. And if nothing ends up working out and they just keep the pick, like we've seen their track record and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've had a lot of success with guys late in the first round, second round, undrafted guys, G League guys. So uh, I think it's kind of like the one thing the Lakers have excelled in arguably more than any other franchise, but at least compared to like, you know, the, the different areas of the front office, I really think it's been the scouting and uh, just the, the ability to find guys that end up being rotation guys, starters, high level guys. So um, I, I really think for, for Laker fans, like if you want to get excited about something, it's it's what are they going to do with that 17th pick? And uh, and if they end up trading back, you know, who's who's the gem that they're going to find, you know, later in the draft. So uh, I, I think that's something to, to be excited for, for Laker fans. And um, I think it's as of right now, kind of looking at one of those two paths of, of what's the most, what's kind of the, the best bang for their buck, so to speak, in, in terms of uh, a way to upgrade the roster. And the, the general perception that I've gotten has been that this draft has a lot of depth to it. From everybody I've talked to, there's a lot of excitement about the depth in this draft. And to me, that, that suggests that if they are going to move that 17th pick, the return should be fairly significant, particularly, as you say, with their their history in the draft. They shouldn't move this pick for just any kind of a minor upgrade. It should be something significant, as you said, maybe a starting caliber player. You look at teams like the Brooklyn Nets, who have a couple of picks at, uh, I believe, 21 and 22. The Indiana Pacers have three picks, two late in the first round and one early in the second round. Maybe there's some opportunities there where they can slide back a little bit, pick up a player, and still have that first round asset to use for their scouting department, uh, which has done, as you said, a phenomenal job of finding players in this draft. So they're definitely going to be a team to watch on draft night. I think there could be some fireworks here for the Lakers. Um, are, are there any names that you've heard that you think the Lakers may be interested in when we talk about Jordan Hawkins and Kobe Bufkin and Derek Lively and, and on and on and on? Is, any names we should really be focused on? Or is it just kind of, hey, they're looking at everybody right now? 
They've been very secretive with the the options they've been looking at. Obviously, you know the, the names you you mentioned. Um, Sam Vicente of the Athletic had them uh, taking Jet Howard in, in the last mm-hmm. uh, mock draft. So, I, I think with the Lakers, um, you know, I've been to several of their draft workouts. It's it's been a lot of guys for that number forty seven pick, and, and and you know maybe undrafted guys who who they're looking at to potentially sign to summer league or or the G League team or, or whatnot, but. Uh, they've kept it very close to the vest in terms of their their first round prospects, and uh, I'm sure some of that is uh, again if if you're trading back to pick 25, pick 27, uh, you know maybe there's a guy uh, that you're iffy on at 17, but you would love to have him back there, and, and you just want to keep all that stuff internal. So uh, I haven't heard much on in, in terms of specific prospects, but uh, I, I just know that they've. They've been playing that close to the vest, and I think that's a strategic thing for them where uh, they just don't want it out there, the guys that they're looking at. Especially because, you know, as we were just discussing, like, I, I think they have garnered a, a really solid reputation around the league in terms of their drafting and scouting ability. And uh, I think it matters more uh, th- than maybe some other teams where the Lakers are looking at players X, Y, and Z. Like, I think the, the antennas perk up a bit around the league mm-hmm. of, okay, like, um, just, just like, you know, when we hear the Spurs are looking at a certain guy or the Raptors or, or the heat, like these teams that have really drafted and scouted well through the years. I think the Lakers have joined those ranks. So for them, it's a strategic and competitive thing. And um, so I, I don't have a, a great answer on that, especially because again, they might not even be keeping that pick. So I think that there's a lot of things up in the air with, with, with the draft right now for them. Uh, but yeah, they, they've kept it very, you know, internal. And um, I've really only heard the names that, you know, the, the few names that have been already been floated out there, which is, is what we would expect, right? I mean, with the exactly. Lakers, they've, they've done a great job of this. In fact, I'll never forget years when they, when they first drafted D'Angelo Russell, all the big news breakers, Woj and Shams and et cetera, right? Nobody had the Lakers pick ahead of time. They had kind of stymied all of that. And somehow uh, the pick was still a secret when it was, was read on draft night. Like that's, that's the way they've operated uh, when it comes to the draft and they've done a great job of it because like you said if teams catch wind of that you can be at a disadvantage so not a surprise but uh, there are a number of different players that could wind up there 17 and if not I think this this scouting department has done such a great job that you just got to trust that whoever they're going to pick is probably going to wind up being the right guy because that tends to be the case with this team uh Jovan, do you have anything anything big planned coming up for the draft or 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 after or anything like that that you want to want to discuss here i'll be at the the team facility for draft night uh so i'll be re- reporting boots on the ground there and uh you know we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to uh rob palinka and um you know maybe get that lebron update that we're all waiting on uh but at, at least at a minimum get an update on uh, you know what they did on, uh, at the draft and, and why they did it. Um, otherwise, no. Like it's just this is the the kind of the the fun time of the year. Uh, you know, uh, we, we love the games and and we love what happens on the court. But uh, draft free agency, like th- this is kind of what what makes the NBA uh, such a unique and and special you know sports league. So uh, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks. I think it might not be as explosive as as some think and and uh maybe some laker fans would, would hope but uh I, I think they're in a really good position of if they run it back for the most part and again just make some smart upgrades uh you know get a better backup center add another wing uh figure out the point guard spot like uh obviously retain austin and Rui. like i, I think this is a team that should be you know contending to, to get back to the western conference finals if not further so uh 
uh, and also having that optionality during the season to potentially make a, a bigger deal and uh, address some of their their shortcomings then so uh, i think that the future is bright for the lakers it, it is probably a one to two year window so i, I think that's the way they're going to be operating is, is looking at really focusing on next season and, and potentially the the season after that uh but yeah i, I think it's it's an exciting time and uh you know who know like a lot could be happening over the next few weeks of just bradley beal damian lillard uh you know what happens with james harden like and just all the ripple effects uh, of these star decisions that are going to be coming up kyrie irving as well so uh, i'm 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 thrilled for and fascinated by what what the next few weeks are going to look like absolutely absolutely this is going to be a blast i i can't wait for all the stuff that we're going to see everything that's going to go on here um you know for you and me that that means probably not a lot of sleep over the next no. month or so but <laughs> but but we'll take it this is a great time of year for the nba as always um Jovan, thank you so much for uh for coming on here man really appreciate it thanks for having me man i'm sure we'll be uh we'll do this in, in vegas soon that's right yeah we'll catch up at, at summer league love to have you back on there lakers nation thank you guys so much for joining us make sure you just uh, do subscribe to the lakers nation youtube channel youtube.com slash lakers nation podcast listeners over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is you listen to podcasts make sure you give us that five-star rating and review Till next time everybody see ya and stay safe